building on a full and accurate truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the scriptures speak. This is the Relentlessly Biblical Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Alexander Ortiz. I'm here again with Christian Lopez. Hello. All right. Listen, this is going to be a special podcast. This is episode two, and um, it's probably going to roll into an episode three because the topic we need to cover is an important one, and I see it as a two-parter, and we kind of planned it that way, which is good, which is really the gospel and how to share it. That's what this podcast is going to be about. And that's an important one. It's an important one because it's something that the Lord commands us to do. Amen. To take the gospel to all the ends of the earth and to baptize everyone in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is fulfilling a commandment. This is fulfilling the Lord's will in what we're doing here. So the first part for this episode is going to be really the gospel. And the reason that we're doing it is pretty straightforward, really. It's, it's, it comes up in conversation. It comes up with talking to people. When you ask them, what is the gospel? Are you born again? You'd be surprised yeah. how many people consider themselves Christian and really don't know what the gospel is. There are so many churches that you go to and you don't even hear the gospel. Yeah, that's wild. Some of them even barely touch the word. And that's a problem nowadays because I think that there's a lot of churches out there that are really not that devoted to the scriptures. And uh, you ask people what being born again is. And to a lot of people, it's like a mystery. Yeah. And I say to myself, why do people don't understand this if they're attending church, if they're going to church and listening to sermons, why aren't they hearing this basic theological teaching, which you know we're going to get into today, and we're going to get it right from Jesus' mouth, because the first place we're going to start is in John chapter 3. We're going to talk about the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, and that's important because if you want to define what the gospel is, I don't know that there's a better place, Christian, right. than go right to the conversation with John. Yep. With uh, that in John, with Nicodemus and, and the Lord, it comes right from the Lord's mouth. We know exactly what the gospel is because he tells Nicodemus exactly what it is, and we benefit from that. So let's open up our Bibles right, right away to John chapter 3, and I'm going to read, and then we'll get into some discussion. And I'm going to read all the way from verse 1 all the way to 21. All right? John chapter 3, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which has been born of the flesh is flesh, and that which has been born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who has been born again of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him and said, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, and you do not accept our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whatever whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to be a judge of the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men and darkness, excuse me, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, 
and does not come into the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been done by God. Mm. One striking thing I get right away is there's a judgment. And the judgment is against the sin of man. Yep. It says right there in verse 19, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light. For the de- his deeds are evil. When you read John and you first started out and you read from chapter 1, Right through the, you know, in the beginning was the word and was with, word was with God. That whole light darkness thing is a theme that John sets up. And, and, it, and it's, it's played into here because it says those, who, come in, those who, who go into the light are saved. In other words, Jesus was the light that came into the darkness that is this world. That came into this darkness, which is this human condition that we're in, which is a sinful condition. Mm. Now, Nicodemus is an interesting person to me because... Here he is, he's a teacher. It says he is a teacher of Israel. Jesus even tells him, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? So he's obviously missing something, okay? And here's the teacher of Israel coming for answers. And he's not just coming for answers, Christian. He's coming with a fear in his heart. Because if you notice, he doesn't even pose a question to Christ. Christ right away, well, first of all, he acknowledges Christ as a teacher, number one. Right. And then no one does the things that you do, Jesus, unless God is with them. So he acknowledges, he says, we we acknowledge that you cannot do the things that you do if God is not with you, which Mm. is awesome. Because he's not just speaking for himself. He's saying we acknowledge. So obviously there are other believers like him that may not be coming to him in the night like Nicodemus is at this particular moment. But there are people that are looking at Jesus. And at this point in his his ministry, he's already been baptized. He's been tempted in the desert. John has pretty much, you know, spoke of him and and diminished his ministry so that Christ can take over because he was the one that everyone was waiting for, the one that John was was preparing the road for. Right. Okay, he he gathered, he's starting to gather his apostles. This is the beginning of his ministry. He's already doing miracles throughout the land. And he's already started with the first miracle, which is turning water to wine in Cana. And, and, and this is where we meet Nicodemus. He's at the beginning of this ministry. He's cleaned out the temple just before this conversation. So Jesus has made his mark. Yep. He has made his mark and he's made himself known that he is proclaiming the kingdom of God and proclaiming God's word. So this man comes to him. And before he even gets a question out, Jesus answered him in verse three and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot come into the kingdom of God. Now, Christian, I ask you, in verse one and two, did he even mention the kingdom of God, Nicodemus? Not at all. So whatever it is that Nicodemus came to him to speak about, Jesus discerned it. He is God. He knows the heart of men. John talks about that in chapter 2, that Jesus didn't entrust himself to men. He knew their hearts. And here's Nicodemus, and he knows the question that's deep in his heart. Right off the bat, Nicodemus doesn't even need to mouth it. He's coming with a fear. He's a religious man. He's, He's a Pharisee educated in his religion. This is a person who was prominent in the Jewish faith at the time, yet he's coming to Christ with this insecurity about, will I get to the kingdom? Yeah. A Christian, you know, if you were walking around in those days and times, you see a Pharisee walking around, especially someone like Nicodemus, which we see from this text here, mm-hmm. that he's not just the teacher, he's the teacher of Israel, and he's coming to Christ in the middle of the night and saying in his heart, am I saved? Yeah. Will I see the kingdom of God? And how many people have that fear? How many people have that fear without even knowing what that fear is, without even knowing that the Bible teaches that all men are sinful? There is no one that is good. And contrary to what the world tells you, right. Okay, that people are good by nature, what good there is in the world People, that's because God is working in the world. His spirit is in the world, working through men, working his will through men. Mm -hmm. But the Bible, okay, when he talks about the condition of man and the depravity of man, we're no good. We're just no good. And here is a religious system that 
the Pharisees have been living to, and, and, and Nicodemus has dedicated a career to, right. and it's not enough. He still comes to Christ with that insecurity. Am I going to see the kingdom? It's really sad. It's a person who's been going to church, if I can use this analogy. It's a person who's been going to church all his life, rose through the ranks, become a prominent leader in that church, and still doesn't know the gospel, still doesn't know the truth that will save him. Yeah. Christ has to pull it out of his heart and say, I know what you came here for. And he says, I tell you that if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. And he tells him, truly, truly, I say to you. And he repeats that in this text quite a bit. And when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he is saying to you, I am telling you the truth. Yeah, That means that what you've been living is a lie. Mm -hmm. What you've believed is a lie. I am telling you the truth. Yep. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And it goes on in the text to say that you must be born of the Spirit. So Nicodemus is is a person I think that many of the people who maybe even listening to this podcast may identify with, a person who's been in church all their lives and, and they don't really know whether they're saved. They don't know if they, if, if they were to question, I like to tell people all the time when they say, oh yeah, I'm going to heaven. I say, well, if you were to die at this moment, are you going to heaven? And they're like, uh, mm -hmm. they do the old, you know, humna, 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 I'm not sure. You know, salvation is something you must be sure. Yeah. Downright to the from your head down to your toes, that you're saved. You know that if you leave this world, it's like Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. Obviously, he doesn't have that assurance. And that's a condition that a lot of people probably think about, maybe not talk about in their silent times with the Lord. Yeah. They must know. So here's a man coming with fear. Here's a man who's done the religious thing. Okay, here's a guy who believes in God, obviously, and he right. even acknowledges that Christ is doing the things that he's doing because under the God. power of God. Yeah. Yet he's afraid, Christian. How many people do you know that are like that? I mean, I knew, I think, that whole time when, when I was like asking, like, am I, am I saved, you know, and trying to understand what this whole thing meant after reading that Matthew 3, 5. I think I remember talking to you and you know, I was stuck in that and you actually, I don't know if you realize, but you actually gave me the gospel message and you talked to me about Christ and you moved me from one part of the message of the gospel to the actual good message of the gospel. And that's where that transitioned. Um, and that's where I understood. And I was like, oh, makes sense. So, but. What it's interesting about Nicodemus is he's one type of person, Christian. Mm -hmm. He's a type of person that, you know, you don't have to convince him there's a God. I came to faith knowing there's a God. Mm -hmm. I grew up knowing that God existed. I'm not an atheist, never was by any means, right. okay? I can't testify to that. We're working on that. We've got an episode coming. We've got someone that we want to bring into this uh, show of ours and, and share his truth. But he's an atheist and now is a very good apologetic uh, um, a person. And he's, he's on fire for the Lord. But he can speak a little bit more clearly than I can about what it is to not believe in God. I don't relate to that. But I yeah. do relate to Nicodemus because I grew up in the Catholic Church. And, and, and I knew a lot of people who were in Lutheran Church, Presbyterian. You, you name the faith. I've met them all. Mm -hmm. And although collectively we believe there's a God, do they have that saving knowledge? Mm. You know? And I'm going to direct you to um, Psalm 53. I'm just going to read three verses because this psalm is basically going to lay out the condition of man. Okay, Psalm 53, verse 1 through 3. It says, The wicked fool says in his heart, There is no God. They mm -hmm. act corruptly and commit ab abominable injustice. There is no one who does good. Now, this is God talking. Remember, this is the word of God. This is the authority in our lives. It says, there is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who has insight, anyone who seeks after God, and every one of them has turned back. Together, they have all become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So before we even talk about the gospel message, we have to talk about the fact that there is no one 
when it comes to that break that happened at the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned and they disobeyed God and the kingdom that they shared with the Lord, that that everlasting life they had, eating from the tree of life, enjoying the presence of the Lord, they betrayed that and became separated by God, okay? The Spirit of God went in a different direction than man. Mm. Man became corrupt. This world became corrupt, okay? That sinful nature has been passed down to us. Right. Everyone who is born is born into sin, okay? The holy God that we were meant to fellowship with and be with forever, okay? That relationship got broken with Adam, okay? God cannot be in the presence of sin. God is holy. Mm-hmm. To be in the presence of God is to be fearful. That's why when you read the Bible and you see a lot of when, when Christ manifests itself, either in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, when God manifests himself in Christ in the Old Testament, and that does happen, okay? Even angels, when they appear before man, what happens to men? They just fall down. I mean, the, the guards that were guarding Jesus' tomb mm-hmm. fell down like dead men yep. in the presence of holy angels. So, it's God's nature that he is perfect. It's his nature that he can't be with sin. Right. So when we enter God's presence, okay? Just being born, we were born with that sin. We inherit that from Adam. And God looks as a look at us and we have that 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 sinful nature. In fact, that's a, a theme that we can see here in the text. Jesus says, this, you know, Nicodemus gets a little confused when he says, you must be born again. He says, well, how do I enter back into my mother's womb? How does a man get born again? He's not understanding that the physical birth is something you have no control over. I mean, right. you, you had no control when your mom and dad had you the same way that I had no control over mom and dad having me. Right. Okay, but yet here I am. That's something that God made happen, okay? They procreated, and here we are, mm-hmm. okay? And the message here to Nicodemus is that the same way that you you were born of the flesh, you must be born again. Yeah. In other words, there's a second birth that Jesus is saying here that, look, you've got to, your old nature has to die Yep. before you walk into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And you have to walk into this kingdom new. And we see that that theme, not just in New Testament, David talks about it as well. He says, create in me, O Lord, a new heart. Because mm-hmm. salvation is a work of the Lord. That is why he says the wind blows in verse 8, and it wishes, and you and, and, and it goes where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you don't know where it's coming or going. God works in the hearts of men. And, all, and like the wind, you don't see it, but you can see the trees moving. You can see the leaves rustling. You can see that God is working in yeah. that person. And that's how salvation is. God, like Jesus reaching out to Lazarus in the grave, he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus was dead. He couldn't animate his body if he wanted to. He was dead for a few days. Yet all that needs to happen is that call. Right. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes to life. The same thing here. He's telling Nicodemus, forget about what you've done. Forget about all this religious system you've believed in until you've got it all wrong. Right. You're a teacher of Israel and you do not know this. It's not about rules. It's not about doing good things. It's not about being good. It's about being born again. It's about being brand new and mm-hmm. letting the spirit of God come into you and change you. David understood that, which is why he said, create in me, O Lord, a new heart. We know that David was a man after God's own heart. So he understood that. Nicodemus is missing that. And Christ is pointing him to it. And it's devastating news for him, Christian, because this is a man that's dedicated his life. Like you said, he was the teacher. The teacher. I mean, he must be like, wow, this guy just blew my whole career out of the water. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's devastating news. Yeah. And he doesn't, if we read the context of this text and carry it through to the rest of John, we see that this is not an event where he becomes saved and and that truth hits hits home and and he becomes a new creation in Christ, the way that the gospel teaches us it is. And, 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 And that happens later on, we see, but it's devastating news for a man who's devoted himself to a religious system that he thought was the answer. Hmm. And so much of us are in that, in that particular case. I was there too. Yep. As a Catholic, I had to shed that. 
And I had to look into the word of God and I had to illuminate my mind and illuminate my heart and, and show me that, you know what, there's a different path here. Mm-hmm. Not a path that men have laid out for me and say, do this, do that. This path is the Holy Spirit himself. Being born again means that the Spirit of God comes into you and changes you. But until you do that, your sins are upon you. You know, one of the things that um, I learned early on is that when I got saved, I, I, an example I use all the time when I talk to people about the gospel is a very simple one. You know, I've working in finance for many years. I understand accounting, okay? But if your sins are upon you, and you know that you have sins before God, when you show up to God, he's going to see those sins, okay? It's like you, somebody owes you money. Mm-hmm. Say Joe owes you money. Every time you see Joe, it's like, hey, Joe, where's my money? <laughs> ah, he avoids you. Nah, I got to go. I got to go do this thing. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> and he avoids you all the time, you know? And you, you keep on running into this guy, and he's got nothing but excuses for not giving you the money. And guess what? You're never going to go and have dinner with this guy. You're never going to go shoot bowling with this guy. You're never going to have a good time with this guy because you got this enmity between you. Mm-hmm. He owes you money. hasn't paid his debt. Sin requires a sacrifice. That's the Old Testament system that God set up. We must sacrifice. That's why you see bulls and goats being killed at the temple and all the shedding of the blood. We see it when Adam and Eve fell, when God came and showed showed up and said, why are you hiding? Who told you you were naked? And he clothed them by slaughtering an animal. He had to sacrifice another life just to clothe and cover them. So blood was shed for those sins. And that's been the case all through the New Testament. And it's going to be the case because jesus says it here the same way that the serpent it has to be lifted up the son of man will be lifted up he's even talking about his crucifixion and how he is going to shed his blood Mm. for that sin so going back to my accounting equation you got joe owes you money every time you see him he doesn't pay alex shows up and says how much does joe owe you and you tell alex how much and alex pays and says i'll take care of the debt for him forget about that guy right Guess what? You, you Everything's cleared up. Mm-hmm. Now when you see Joe, what do you see? You see me mm-hmm. because I paid that debt. Yep. It's the same thing with the gospel. You have sin if you're not in Christ. You're born with it. Yep. Okay? And you're governed by it. We're slaves to it, the Bible says. Okay? And when God looks at you, he looks at you and he sees that sin. Yeah. Now, here here shows up Christ and pays that debt for you. He gets lifted up on a cross. He is made to pay for the sins that you've committed and declares on a cross, it is finished. Mm. His work is done. Christians, Joe's debt to Christian is paid. Okay? In the context of us, when God looks at us and when we accept that truth, which is really what Christ is doing here with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, look, I, where I'm going, okay, where I'm going, where I, when I get lifted up, that's the symbol that you need to look at. You have to look at what I'm doing, what I'm going to do. That's what John 3.16 is all about. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gives him up at the cross. And when Christ does that, that debt is paid yep. because God poured his wrath on him. You know, we see movies and people talk about Christ on a cross. Who hasn't seen, you know, there's dozens of movies out there about the crucifixion and, and we see the lightning and the thunder and the earthquakes when Jesus dies. And a lot of people look at that and they say, wow, you know, God was really mad. No, no, no. God was pouring out wrath on his son. He was making him pay for everything we did. Yep. And since that happened, And the resurrection happened because that's important because Jesus is promising us life. He's saying, believe in me so that you may have everlasting life. When he resurrects, that life is is plain for us to see. The the grave could not contain him. Mm -hmm. And he promises us that as well. Okay? And Jesus' everlasting life is available to us. Okay? When we believe in that, God looks at the person who's accepted Christ's work on a cross, that finished work on a cross, and says, you know what? There's someone who believed in my son. I no longer see that dead in him. I look at my son, and I see it paid. It's that accounting equation. The, the, the debt that you owed God, he looks at you when you believe in Christ. Right. And he looks at Christ, and he sees it as paid. 
to me, it's a simple accounting equation. Mm -hmm. The sin that you were in debt for, that you owed God, payment for that sin, Christ took care of it. He was our substitute, and God used him to substitute for all of us mm. who would just believe in what he was doing there on a cross. Oh, it's, it's, it's an amazing message, and yeah. that really is the gospel. Gospel means good news, and the good news is, is that God, although man fell in the garden, he made a plan with man to right. redeem him. And the plan that he came up with to give us his very best, his son, to give of himself, mm -hmm. to give his only son to man so that man could look upon him and believe in him and restore that life, that everlasting life that we had with God in the garden that we became separated from and share that life again with him, not just in eternity, Right. Okay, because if you accept Christ as your Savior and accept his work on a cross as something that you accept for yourself, okay, you become what Christ is talking about, a born-again Christian. You become a believer in Jesus Christ. You, be you believe in his name and what he's done. Guess what? The Spirit comes to dwell in you. Mm. It comes to change you. That's why the born-again experience is so important to understand because from that day forward, you're a changed person. Right. Because you've yielded your sinful desires. We still have them, but you yield that control, okay, to God. And instead of following your own directives or your own desires like Adam and Eve did in the garden, they didn't listen to God. When he mm -hmm. said, don't eat from that tree of knowledge, they followed their own desire and they disobeyed. When you're in Christ, the Spirit of God comes to live in you. And guess what? His desire becomes your desire. And now you follow the Spirit and the Spirit leads you away from sin. You don't right. become perfect. That's why I love this analogy that you see the wind and it blows. You see the leaves move. You don't know where it's coming or going like Jesus says, okay? But you can see the effect that yes. a person who trusts Christ has because you see a change in that person. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, a person who was doing drugs or doing bad things and really didn't care anything about God, all of a sudden his life starts taking a different direction. Mm -hmm. And I always say that you don't look for perfection in Christians. When people become believers and they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and become born-again Christians and that life of God comes to live in them, right. they don't become perfect, but their direction changes. You never look for perfection. You look for direction in that person's life. And that's that sanctification, that's, that's what theologists call sanctification, the sanctifying work of Christ on the cross sanctifies us and right. cleanses us of our sins, okay? And now this, this sanctification continues through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Christ's ministry was to die on a cross. His, his calling was to die on a cross for sinners. The Holy Spirit continues that. We see that beyond the Gospels into the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit goes and starts building the church. It's almost like Christ continues, but he continues in a way that he had he had basically told everyone, the teacher's coming, the spirit is coming. Yeah. And that spirit is what guides us and guides us away from that sin. Mm. Okay? So this is, this is the message that Christ has for Nicodemus. A religious system is not going to do it for you. Sacrifices did not do it for you. The blood of bull and goats did not do it for you. Okay? Everything you've done up to this point, push it aside. You have to start all over again. And that's a hard thing to do for people, okay? One of the biggest challenges when you give people the gospel message and tell them, hey, did you know Jesus died for you? Did you know that if you accept that truth, your life will change? The biggest resistance I get when I encounter people is that they don't want to change. What do people think about? That means I got to stop doing this. That means I got to stop being with this person, doing that. And that's the resistance, okay, that you run into. And he talks about it here, okay? Verse 20, for everyone who does evil hates the light mm. and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed, okay? We'll talk about that a little bit more in part two of this episode when we talk about sharing the gospel, but that's what you run into. Yeah, That's one of the biggest resistance that you'll see. But Nicodemus came seeking. He came looking. 
And Christ gave it to him right between the eyes. Nicodemus, you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. And water means, and to a Jew, if you put that in context, means the cleansing. That's what John the Baptist's ministry was all about. What was he doing? Baptizing people. Baptizing people. Preparing them for what? The coming of the Messiah. So the first thing that you need to do, if you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, is like I read in, in the Psalm 53, you know, you have sin. You have to acknowledge that sin in your life. And you have to acknowledge that before God, that is not something that, that is acceptable. Okay? That's something you have to acknowledge. Yeah. And that's what John was preparing the path for. He was baptizing people and getting them to acknowledge the fact that the, the cleansing of the water was symbolic of washing your sins away. Mm. You know, getting that, 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 that sinful filth off your body and preparing yourself for the coming of the Messiah. That was John's ministry. And here Jesus shows up and says, okay, I'm here. And I've come, not only come uh, um, to forgive sins, but I come with the kingdom and I'm promising you everlasting life. Look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at where I'm going. Right. I'm going to this cross, which is why he brings up the serpent in the, in the, in the desert. Look at that cross, look at what I'm doing. And anyone who's spent any time in the New Testament knows that this is a concept that even the apostles and his disciples struggled with. He'd tell them all the time, when he starts talking about him going into Jerusalem, I'm going to fall into the hands of, 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 of the Jews. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to die. But don't worry, I'm resurrected. I mean, they didn't get all that. They, they weren't understanding times. that. They weren't understanding that. Okay, but here he is saying that that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So here's the gospel message. We are sinful and fall short of the glory of God without question. But we can change that. God has made a provision to that. After we've recognized that sin, guess what? God has already given us a, a proposition. He's already prepared a way, a provision, I should say. He's already provided for us because here's, here it is. God was in Christ mm. reconciling the world onto himself. Not looking at men's sins anymore, but looking at his son and the payment for that sin on the cross. So that those sins, for those who believe in the work of the son, he can put those sins behind him and never look at them anymore. Mm. So how would you like to live a life where you know that you can come before God, acknowledge that you fall short, which is the word sin, in Hebrew, is really means missing the mark. We miss the mark when it comes to sin, and we fall short of God's glory. But if he's provided Christ and that sacrifice on the cross, the sacrifice that paid, paid it all so that God can put your sins behind him and never to look at those sins again, that's a pretty mighty, powerful gift. And he does it with grace. Yeah. And he does it with love. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel message. That's what Nicodemus has to consider here. He has to discard all his beliefs, his belief system. He has to acknowledge that the, everything he's done has not washed away his sin. Right. But what Christ was accomplishing and where he was going and what he was doing was going to get Nicodemus where he needed to be. Mm. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue and we'll finish up this episode and we'll close up this gospel message. We are privileged and excited that you joined us today. Please remember to visit our episode notes. They contain links to scripture, any information we reference during the show, and a link to join our mailing list to receive the latest show news and updates. If you want to send us your questions, provide feedback, or submit an idea for a future episode, we want to hear from you. Just use the Join the Conversation link provided to contact us. Want to get to know us better? Then we encourage you to use the Core Truth Media link provided in our episode notes to visit our coretruthmedia.org homepage. You can connect with us via social networks from that page and explore the diverse range of podcasts and high-quality content our ministry offers to those seeking to deepen their understanding of the Bible and grow in their faith. Finally, we invite you to help us communicate God's truth throughout the globe. Anyone can listen to the show for free everywhere podcasts are available. Click the listen and follow link in our episode notes and share it with your friends and family. You'll be glad you did. We appreciate your support. Now let's get back to our show. Welcome back. 
Yeah, this is. Um, I'm excited about this topic. It's not an easy one to cover, Christian, because no. I mean. Gosh, I feel like I covered a lot of things in such a little amount of time in just 30 minutes. How can you cover like the the breadth and width of what the gospel message is? But um, I'm just going to encourage everyone who's listening to us to go to John 3 and read it. As a matter of fact, John, as a gospel, if you've never read the Bible before, dig into that book. Yeah. Because he says towards the end of his uh, gospel that he wrote this gospel so that you may believe. And if you've got friends that are thinking about Jesus and considering the gospel, you haven't made that profession of faith, have them read, John. Yeah. Okay? It really, really opens up the gospel. And it's it's really an important book. Not that they're, they're all important, but this one is—it was written, the last gospel to be written, so it has the, 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 the history of all the other gospels that are already being circulated through the early church. Yeah. And John has knowledge of that when he writes this, so he fills in some really great gaps here, okay? And to me, I think it's the most intimate gospel of all. To me, I, I connect right with Christ so much in the gospel but read john 3 it really is an important message i mean mine it and and go through it and understand what jesus is talking about there if you're a believer in jesus christ this is just going to reinforce what you already know and Mm -hmm. that's always a good thing always always a good thing but if you don't know the lord jesus christ as your savior dig into the word of god it will speak to you Mm -hmm. it has that power to speak directly to your heart just recognize where you're at and recognize your need for him and open up your heart to god and he will not let you down Mm. This Bible will change your life and renew you. Yep. And if you're a seeker like Nicodemus was, guess what? Jesus has the same answer for you. You must be born again. Mm-hmm. But you know what? New, new beginnings are always great. Right. Because there's a lot of stuff that we need to shed. So it's a good message for those that believe. And it's a great message for people who haven't heard this message before. And I hope it lands on good soil. Yeah. No, I, I, to- I totally agree. I mean... It's true. Um, it, this message is not for unbelievers, but also believers too. I think us as believers, um, we need to hear the gospel message. Yeah. I, I think it's 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 beautiful that when you when you do listen to the gospel message and you hear it again, and you 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 dive deep into what Christ did on the cross for for our sins. I mean, it is when I read it, and that happens to me, I get so excited. Because it's no longer my work. It's God's work. He's already did it for us. So I kind of want to dive a little deep into the uh, the uh, the word gospel. Um, I was never really good at um, uh, like words or English in school. So <laughs> every time I read books or anything like that and I come across a word, I always uh, like to look up the definition of the word. And when I look up the definition, I'm always astonished. Like, wow, I didn't know that it meant that. You know, because I, I was just... I was just never good at it. And um, through studying the Bible, it's it's made me even more aware of words. It's made me even more aware of like what these things mean. I mean, we know that this book is not written first in English. It's Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Like So some of the words that are used here to translate from those, um, those uh, languages, you know, translate well in English, but there's still some things that you can dive a little deeper in. So I just wanted to go over what the word gospel means. It's euangelion. Um, and Alex uh, touched on it a little bit, and it means good message. Um, and when you look at this word, it also means a proclamation of the grace of God, the glad tidings of salvation through Christ. Um, and... Also, the word gospel is a rendering of the Greek word evangelion, meaning, like we said before, good message or good news. That's where we get evangelism from. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right, right. Which is interesting because think about when Lord Jesus Christ commands us to share the gospel. That's what he's telling us to do, to share the good message of grace. It is a good message. It's a a beautiful message for someone who is, you know, like uh, the testimony I shared in the last episode where... I kind of was reading, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And I was stuck there when the good news finally hit. It was like this awesome, like, I understand now. I get it. It's it's a, like and it, it almost makes you joyful. No, it does make you joyful. Not almost makes you joyful. It makes you joyful over the fact that it's no longer 
the work doesn't fall on you anymore. It falls on Christ and what he already did. So the glad tidings of the kingdom of God soon to be set up. That's what the gospel is after the death, the burial, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the Messiah, the founder of this kingdom that he right. speaks of. Okay. Yeah. So um, I also found out that the gospel was preached to Abraham beforehand. Yeah. Which is in Galatians 3.8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. And I thought that was like amazing. I was like, wow. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because you're absolutely right. And you know, we, as Christians, we tend to ignore the Old Testament mm -hmm. sometimes and just kind of live in the New Testament. Um, but yeah, the gospel's been there from the very beginning. When when the sin was created in the garden and 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 men fell, okay, what was the curse that was put on the on the on the serpent, Satan? Mm -hmm. You know that someone will be born to this woman, and his you will bruise his heel, yep. but he will crush your head. That is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. and, and Jews understood this the same way that you're talking about. They Abraham knew the gospel. They knew this. Yep. Yep. Okay, David, when he was put on a throne, was promised that his throne would live on forever. Mm. Obviously, David didn't live on forever, but the descendant of David, Christ himself, guess what? He is that king that sits on that throne forever. Yeah, David understood this. Yep. yep. Yeah, the patriarchs of the Old Testament knew this. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so um, the next question I want to pose is who does it belong to? Who does this gospel message belong to? Um, and Romans 1 one through six, um, I'm going to read that and, and kind of uh, go over that so that we can kind of see. Love uh, Romans, that, yeah. love Romans. Romans, I remember when we, uh, um, you know, uh, when I first met you, that was one of the things you're like, yeah, Romans is my book. Love Romans. <laughs> well, that's changed a little bit <laughs> I know, now. I John's know. my book, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to say, if I get thrown in jail, what book do I want to take with me? Romans was <laughs> yeah, it, especially early that. on when I was an early believer. But uh, yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, I do remember it you It reinforces that. so much of what we believe and trust in the Lord. It's a great book for the believer. Yeah. All right. So Romans 1, 1 to 6. Read on, brother. All right. So Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, having been set apart before, apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, who was designated as the son of god in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead jesus christ our lord through whom we received grace and apostleship for the obedience of faith among all the gentiles for the sake of his name among whom you also are the called of jesus christ so the first, so I just wanted to read that because he's he's saying it right there. Ooh, there's a couple of gems I found in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, the first verse, it, 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 he tells us who this gospel belongs to. The first verse, having been set. So um, verse one, Paul, a slave of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, having been set apart for the gospel of God. The phrase, the gospel of God, it's telling us who this gospel belongs to. It's showing who owns this gospel. God owns this, uh, this, this gospel. So Paul's not saying who this gospel is about, but rather who this gospel belongs to. It belongs to God. Mm -hmm. He's the author of it. He's the owner of the gospel. And it's his good mes message, news, and his good announcement. So to the believer, right, for those who proclaim to believe in Jesus Christ, this is a, a message that belongs to God, and we cannot tamper with it we can't mm -hmm. mess with it or try to improve its message oh that's a good one because don't get me going bro. <laughs> um and or try to change it to make it more appealing when you are doing this you are messing around with a message that is not yours it originates with god he's the author of it and it's his message yeah okay and, yeah paul dealt with that too how many times that he had to go to churches and straighten out some of these churches you've got the wrong gospel that's someone right. changed it massaged it into something that was more appealing to men yeah there's you're right christian and that gospel like the word of god is truth any other gospel is a lie and you allude right into my next point when in galatians galatians 1 6 through 10 Paul writes to the Christian Galatians to address the issue of turning so quickly to another gospel. 
Not that there is another gospel, but that some were distorting the gospel of Christ. And that's right in Galatians 1, 6 through 7. And in, 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 that, in that portion of scripture, it says that, he says that I marvel, I marvel. They weren't just turning away from God's gospel, but turning to follow another gospel, a distorted gospel that's not God's message. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a wedding videographer, one of my jobs during a wedding day is to um, capture the reaction of a bride um, reading a letter that the groom wrote to her, right? And um, after I record the audio and everything of the groom reading his letter, um, then I'm entrusted to take this letter and bring it to the bride so that she can read it, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say, let's say if I was on the way to bring this letter to this to this bride, and I open up the letter and I start reading it, and then all of a sudden I'm looking at the what he wrote, and I'm like, yeah, let's let's just change the sentence here, just make it sound a little more better. I, I don't think I <laughs> I like what he said here, so let me just change a couple of things. I think it sounds better this way, um, or I, I'm gonna write it how I think you know he should have said it. Um, now, when I do that, what I'm doing is changing the message that the groom wrote to the bride that is a completely different message from when he yeah. originally wrote it. Yeah. It's now misrepresenting the groom and his message sent to the bride. Yeah. And we do this when we tamper with God's message. We misrepresent him and his character and his intention with this call you're so absolutely right you are so absolutely right which is why you've got to be true to what the word teaches mm -hmm. and, and we see that in many ministries i know i've seen that in our ministry we approach churches or they approach us and and you know when we see how the gospel is handled you know man seems to think that there's something he can add to it and isn't it where we get all these other religions from as well too mm -hmm. you know they add all these little things that you got to do okay jesus did it all yeah. God did it all through his son, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, okay? And, you know, it's interesting when you were reading Romans, you swerved into a couple of things there too because it says Paul, slave of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, having been set apart by God. It, it, I mean, that whole, the whole thing about being called, I mean, we touched on that even in John yep. 3, okay? When we talk about, you know, how, how, how Lazarus was called from the grave. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's Christ that, it's God that calls all men to his son. That's right. Right, that's why you say we got to lift Jesus Christ so that he can draw all men on to himself. As a matter of fact, the called, okay, I believe the root word of that in Greek is uh, uh, ecclesia, which is where we get Ecclesiastes, right? Yep. And that means the church. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the church is actually an unfortunate word. Ecclesiastical is what we are when we right. are a church. We're the we're the called. Mm -hmm. That's basically what the Bible calls us. We are the called ones. Amen. The same way Christ was calling Nicodemus and pulling out of his heart. I know what you want. You want to get to the kingdom. And I got to tell you, the way to get there is to be born again. And he called them mm. to that truth. He called Lazarus from the grave and said, come forth, Lazarus. And he came from the grave. We're the called. That's right. And that's who we are in Christ. When Christ calls you, you answer. Yep. And when you don't answer, sins remain on you. Yep. And you're the person that we've talked about in we're reading John, the person who prefers the darkness right. over the light. Right, right. And you and you're right. Um Paul many times refers to the true believer as the called. Um, those who are chosen by God the Father before the foundation of the world for the Son. Mm -hmm. um, you can read that in Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Anyone who truly responds to this call are the elect of God, are the chosen of God, are those who belong to God. And you alluded to the word call, which means uh, klesis or kletos. Ecclesia. Right. Mm -hmm. Literally means a call, an invitation. And yeah. in the New Testament, it's a divine invitation to embrace yes. salvation in the kingdom of God. It's God's invitation to man to accept the benefits of salvation. Oh, man, what a and, God. And it is through the preaching of the gospel that this invitation is made. And um, and in Matthew uh, 20, uh, 16, okay, it's, it uses the word call, and it's of the call of the gospel. So if you read, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 22, 11 to 14, uh, and we'll read that. Uh, here. Go ahead, my brother, read on. But when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw, I'm reading the last part of the parable. Oh, yeah, I know where you're going. Okay, but when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw that there, 
he saw there a man who had no wedding garments. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Yeah. This message that we proclaim, the gospel message that we proclaim, it is God's calling to those who are his. Yeah. It is why it's very important that we do share <clears throat> this message yeah. because it's God's calling. And what a privilege. God doesn't need us to speak on his behalf, right. yet he calls us to do it. Amen. What a privilege. Amen. To bring good news. Amen. The good news of grace, the good news of salvation to anyone who is sincerely recognizing their sin in their life and seeking what Nicodemus was seeking. Mm -hmm. And again, we're, this is what's wonderful about the Word of God. And if you're listening to us, folks, you've got to understand that when we get into the Scriptures like this, the Scripture confirms Scripture. We go back here, okay, and Jesus, when he talks to Nicodemus and said that, you know, the wind blows, you hear it sound, but you don't know whether it's coming or going, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's God who calls. Mm -hmm. The same way that you had nothing to do with your own physical birth, guess what? You have nothing to do with your own spiritual birth. It's God that calls Amen. the dead Amen. to life. He is life, and this is important because if Jesus didn't, didn't resurrect from the dead, like Paul says, then we're all to be pitied. Then you would have a Christ who's calling us to life and never left the grave, but thankfully he did. So he's calling us to life because he is life. That's he right. is the everlasting life. As he said when he resurrected Lazarus, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Yeah. Okay, what a calling. Amen. All right, to come from the dead, deadness of our sins and our trespasses and, and the damnation that comes with it because talk about not polluting the gospel christian how many people leave hell out of the picture you yes. know and you know i've always said this okay and i'll share this with you hell okay a lot of people when they hear hell they fire brimstones <laughs> the pointy red devil from the underwood ham yeah. can <laughs> that's how they see yeah. you know hell as it's just like brimstone fire fiery place you just read it okay a place of suffering Okay, to me, to me, hell is where God is not. That is enough hell for me. Mm -hmm. To exist for an eternity somewhere where God will never be, that's hell. Mm -hmm. Okay, and God calls us from that. God says, you don't have to be in that darkness. I'm light and I'm here for you. Accept what I'm doing. Accept that you need me. Right. And accept my spirit in your life. And that everlasting life that I broke out from the grave with is yours now in this life and the life to come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Being born again, literally, okay, in, in the Greek language, it's being born from above. Mm. It's the spirit of God that lifted Lazarus from the grave. It's the spirit of God that lives, lifts us from our sins. And you can understand what Paul said when he said what he said, when he says the things I want to do, I don't do anymore. But the things I don't want to do, I'm compelled to do because his heart was changed. Right. His heart was changed with Christ. And he went from killing Christians to doing what we're doing now, sharing the good news. Yeah. Planting churches, teaching churches, pointing out bad doctrine, bad gospel. It's a life-changing experience. It really is. And God offers it to you. Yeah, And you know what? It's a gift. It's grace. Like I said before, he pays your debt and puts a sin behind him never to look at it again. Yeah, and you, you touched about, you know, being where we're sinners. Um, and and when, we're, when, we're, when we are sinners, we're dead. Like you said, the picture of Lazarus, when Jesus calls him out, he pulls him out. Literally, he was dead for several days and Jesus calls him out. And it was only through the power of Christ that w woke him up. And Ephesians 2, 5, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive Amen. together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is a gift. It's a free gift. You were once this way and now you're this way because of the power of God. So God's glory is shown in its entirety when we share the full gospel 
The love of God is shown in its fullest glory when we share the full gospel. And, you know, this is not, you know, something where we share where we, this is something that, this is what I think God is or how I think he is. You know, a lot of people have that um, idea of like, well, to me, God is this, this. I mean, the Bible lays out who God is. God tells us his character in the word right here. I mean, I love reading Exodus 34, 6 through 8. The Lord, this is when the Lord passes by Moses, shows him his backside. Oh, yeah. And this, listen to what the Lord proclaims to him, who he is. He tells him who is, what his character is. A lot of people like listening to the first half, but they miss the second half. Okay. So, verse 6, Exodus 34, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, this is the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And we talked about how he forgave that through the blood of his son. But here's here's the catch. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward earth and worshiped. When we hear about who God, who God truly is, his character, what he, what he will do, okay, um, to sin, to people who are sinners. However, when we understand the gospel, okay, that's where the grace comes in. That's why it's called the good message because we're all, um, uh, desperately sick. The heart is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Christ said it. I came to heal the sick. Right. Mm -hmm. And so hearing about who God says that he is should make us bow to the ground and worship him. I think that's why it's so beautiful that when we share the gospel, when we share the first half of this message and then share the gospel, when we share the nature of man, you know, how we're desperately sick, we're sinful people, we're not good. None is good. Not one. Yeah. And we share that information and we give people the knowledge of sin when we share the gospel after that it becomes this message where it's just like wow yeah it pierces through the hearts of men and romans 1 16 says this for i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes yeah. to the jew first and also to the greek so i want to encourage our brothers and sisters out there who um, believe in Christ, who trust in Jesus, that this message that you're sharing, it is the power of God. God's saving power resides in the gospel. And the gospel, when it's shared in its purest form, is both sufficient and all-powerful to change the heart of a person. Yeah. So when we're dealing with this message and we're sharing this message, just know when it's shared in its entirety, when it's shared in its purest form, you are you are using God's power Amen. to help someone um, understand their sin and give them the grace that God gives them uh, uh, towards their sin. So mm -hmm. I, I just every time I I, I read that and and I just think about that or I'm, I'm I'm you know I'm a little timid to share the gospel. I'm reminded that it's not my power. It's not what I. It's not how I say it. it it's not. It's not what I what I say, it's it's God's message. And when we share it, we just pray that God uses his message to do what it intends to do. It's either A, gonna bring a sinner to repentance, or B, it's gonna be foolishness to them. And the Bible already talks about yeah. that in First Corinthians. Yeah. So you have nothing to worry about. If someone rejects it, that's not on you. That's on them. That's 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 between them and God now. You've done your duty as a Christian in sharing the gospel message, and we must continue to do so whether we get a bad or a good response. And glory be to God when we do get a good response. Amen. Because you see God changing a person right before your eyes when you share the gospel and they accept it and embrace it fully. Yeah. It's all about Christ. That's right. John 3, 18, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has already been judged because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Right. And when the 
Bible talks about in the name of, it means everything that Christ stood for. Mm. When you say in the name of the Lord, it's Christ and everything he stood for. That's right. It, it, it really is an amazing message and an amazing privilege. And man, episode three, the one we'll do right after that, this is definitely a two-part. And we knew it would be yeah. because we'll get into and we'll share with everyone. And I know this is a point of frustration for a lot of people, sharing the gospel. Knowing it is one thing, but you've got to share it. Yeah, And we'll get into that in our next episode. But I got to tell you, it really is a privilege. And, and Christian's absolutely right. The power that, that Christ has to lift you from your dead life. Yeah. And like you said, it's foolishness to some people. What do you mean dead? I'm living, I'm breathing. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not dead. No, your spiritual life. Yeah. Okay. You are dead. Okay. And God has the power through Christ, through his Holy Spirit mm. to lift you from that condition. You know, how powerful is Christ? How much power is that resurrection power? Well, I'll tell you, if Christ didn't say Lazarus, come out, and he just said, hey, come out, all the graves would have been emptied. <laughs> it wouldn't have been just Lazarus to come out. Yeah. I'm glad he said Lazarus because you would have had a lot of dead people walking around. He is the resurrection and the life. And that's the power that's available to you. Mm -hmm. It's the power to start brand new. Yeah. You know, and that's the message to Nicodemus here. Nicodemus, I'm so thankful for him because in his seeking out instructs us in so many ways of what we seek ourselves, okay, to fill that hole that tells us, you know, there's something wrong with my life because once it's done here, what do I go and what do I do? Yeah. Nicodemus, with all the years that he put into his faith, into his religion, it did nothing for him. Mm. Must have broke his heart to hear that he had to start all over again, that he had to throw it all in the trash and start anew. Yeah. It really shows you the condition of the Jewish people in that time. The same condition we're in now. I'm not going to beat up on the Jewish people because men, sinful men, the condition that they're in and their rebellion towards God is history. We can see that throughout history. Yeah. They reject God. They do their own thing. And they think they're doing the right thing, but they, they get away, like you said, they get away from the word of God. They get away from the letter of, of, of the word and what it says and what, what is truth yeah. and come up with their own idea of going into heaven. And Nicodemus' preconceptions got blown out of the water. Everything I was, you were doing was, this was wrong. Yeah. You got to start all over again, buddy. Mm. And it starts with me. Like you said, the gospel is belongs to God. He's the one who has provided that for us. The same way he's provided us the son, he's provided us. Uh, John said it. There goes, when Jesus showed up, he said, there goes the, the lamb, lamb of, of God. God. And Jews, Jews understood that. Yeah. Because they've been sacrificing lambs for generations for their sin. And John proclaims, there goes the lamb of God. God showed up with his own lamb and sacrificed him for you. Yep. Yep, he brought he brought his own. I, I I read that one time and I was like, God, God knew that there was no sacrifice greater than the one that He's going to bring. You know, there's no sacrifice that we could give. There's nothing that we could do in order to pay our sins. That's why Christ had to come. That's why the Lamb of God, God had to provide the sacrifice. We can't. We can't do that. Yeah. So the good news is. Of the person and work of Jesus. It's what this book is all about. That's right. I mean, this book from beginning to end is about Christ and what God has done. Think about it, okay? You look at other religions and their idea of God, nothing looks like Christ. They look like, you know, animals with, with human bodies. And I mean, you know, when man constructs a God, it looks ridiculous. Yeah. God provides us with Christ and he's like nothing else. Yeah. Man cannot conceive of something like Christ. That's why he's so different. That's yeah. why he is so true. That is why he is the only way. Mm. And we'll get into that with episode three coming up because we're going to help you share this gospel. But before we do that and we depart from this episode, I just want to encourage all of you to just get into your Bible and read that gospel message. Remember, the gospel message is very simply this. Okay, we are dead in our sins and trespasses. God has made a provision for us. All we have to do is recognize our condition and recognize the fact that God has provided for us and he provided for us his son. 
so that when Jesus died on the cross and paid for our sin, God took that sin, put it behind him, never to look at it again. All you need to do is believe. All you need to do is believe. And the same life that was in the Lord, Jesus Christ, that lifted him from the grave, will lift you from the grave so that you can follow him into that promised everlasting life and restore that broken relationship that Adam and Eve broke way back when and welcome you into the kingdom as his own. Don't, like, don't, don't love the darkness more than the light because there's nothing like him. Mm-hmm. There is nothing like him. So if you prayed that in your heart, read the word. Jump into the New Testament, read it. Read, read John and its completeness and just dedicate time, quality time. Like we said in our last episode, when you read the Bible, dedicate some quality time and just dig into this word. It will speak to your heart and show you who Christ is. The gospel is an important message. This is an important episode because guess what? Those who you who believe, take this episode and share it. Yeah. Share it with someone who needs to hear this message. Share it with someone that you've been scared to share it with. I mean, it's very easy to just say, hey, listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Please do that. It's one of the reasons why we do what we do, so that you guys can share this. Okay? So be sure to just share this message with whoever you can. Share this episode. And you know what? We'll be back with our next episode and show you and get you out of that rut that you may be in sharing the gospel because it's a challenge for a lot of people. We got answers for that. So thank you for joining us, Christian. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm fired up. I'm going to go share the gospel. (laughs) But we'll see you guys on the next episode. God bless. Stay in your Bible. Hold it up. Lift it up. Read it and share it. Take care, everybody. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that we have been an encouragement to you. This episode has been made possible by listeners like you. Please consider partnering with us through your prayers and gifts. Your support enables us to provide sound biblical teaching that helps others open up their understanding of the scriptures across the globe. To support this show financially, click the Donate Now link in the episode notes, or you can visit our podcast website at relentlesslybiblical.org and use a donate link in the podcast player or the support this show button that's on our homepage. Thank you for your gracious support. Join us again for our next episode and remember to always be in God's word and stay relentlessly biblical. This episode has been a production of Core Truth Media, owned and operated by Core Truth Ministries. This podcast was recorded and engineered at Prevail Studios.